Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Tom Block with you, and we're glad you followed us over to Real Talk 93.3 and continue to listen to the podcast. Just want to mention a shout out to the Seminole Boosters. They continue to support the program. Two things here. First of all, there are still tickets left for FSU Notre Dame. So if you don't have yours yet, go to Seminoles.com slash tickets, pick up some tickets. We want to make sure that we got a packed house for that opener on Labor Day weekend against Notre Dame. And secondly, if you're not a member of Seminole Boosters, I encourage you to help make a strong brand even stronger. Supporters can help FSU's teams win by providing the tools needed to be successful. And you can join for as little as $70 per year. Just go to SeminoleBoosters.com to learn more. That said, Enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, always good to see you, especially in a game week. How are you, sir? Why did you take my words right out of my mouth? I thought you were going to cut off there at the end, and I go, I could go, and especially in a game week. I'm just going to say, maybe it's age, Keith, but this offseason wasn't as long. I mean, I feel like we actually had enough, and here we are. We're kicking off on Sunday. It certainly felt like it was much quicker than last year. There's no question. I think much of that had to do with the fact that at least there was something going on. You didn't have kids strewn all over the state, all over the Southeast, and having to conduct meetings by Zoom as you did last year. So I'm excited. I, I was on campus um, on Tuesday and got to hear the Chiefs practicing, and um, I'm ready. Mike Norvell's got to be ready. I mean, think about what he walked into uh the dream opportunity to coach at Florida state. And then you go through a COVID year and I'm not just talking wins and losses, but it, it was just not a normal year. So Keith, we got a seven 30 kickoff coming up on Sunday. The, the lots open at noon. So we've got extended tailgating. Uh, there's no limited capacity. It's the 75th anniversary of FSU football. There'll be a moment of silence before the game as there always is uh, to remember the fallen from the past year. And, and unfortunately on the Florida state side, that includes Bobby Bowden. And then right after that, there's going to be an air force flyover with four F 16 fighting Falcons. And then we're going to play Notre Dame. So I'm, I'm making a lot of points here to say, I think it's going to be a pretty charged up crowd on Sunday night. What do you think? And typically on a Sunday night, you'd be worried about, you know, having to get up and go to work the next morning. But it's Labor Day weekend, so uh, most folks will be off. So I think it will be a much uh, enhanced uh, uh, crowd in terms of their enthusiasm. I'm looking forward to it. Mike Norvell certainly will be, too. The team will be doing the, uh, the, the legacy walk, I think, at 515. They get dropped off right between the circus and Hauser stadium. If you're interested in participating in that and really the first go uh, of this magnitude for this full coaching staff in terms of on the field stuff, Keith, the depth chart was released after, after much gnashing of teeth for three and a half weeks when nobody could talk about who was getting more reps or who was projected to be the starter. We now have a list of who's projected. And of course we have that big two letter word or O R (laughs) Jordan Travis, or Milton. So what do you think? <laughs> well, I got confused because Jay becomes before him. So Jordan should be before Milton. Uh, but then, but then Travis 
McKenzie should have been ahead of Travis. So I think there's a double whammy there. There should be two oars because they've got them both ways, first name versus last name. I don't know who it'll be that comes out first. I'm pretty confident that both are going to play on Sunday, though. What do you think? Well, the thing that has really surprised is not the right word, but the thing that has intrigued me and maybe others of our listeners is by all accounts, uh, Jordan Travis has made significant strides from uh, this time last year till now. Uh, I don't know. Personally, I think uh, McKenzie would be who I'll go with, but I do believe that there's been significant improvement made so that whichever one or both that plays, I think we're going to see some quarterback play that will excite us. I'm excited in general. And coming up on today's show, next segment, we'll be joined by our broadcast colleague, partner, William Barnon, Floyd, former FSU fullback, who's back for another year. He's been doing this since Bobby's last year, uh, coaching Florida State. And then Patrick Burnham, who's been with the Osceola for some time. His brother is now part of Mike Norvell's extended staff, if you will, as a defensive analyst. And his dad was Wally Burnham, a longtime uh, linebackers coach uh, under Mickey and for eight years or so, right as the dynasty was getting going. So he'll, we'll, we'll break down a little bit more detail. I, I didn't uh, – I don't know that there were too many surprises there. I think you feel better about the offensive line when you see some familiar names back there. Some guys were in and out during the fall. Uh, on the defensive line, that seems to be what's gotten the most talk this fall. Now, we'll see in a game, and they'll get tested against Notre Dame, but it really looks like Norvell and company, for all the transfers they brought in, I don't know if any two are going to be bigger than the starting defensive ends, both transfers, and, and both have had good camps. They have, and uh, one of the things you always worry about when you bring in upperclassmen as opposed to high school kids is how do they fit in with everybody else and I think the camaraderie, at least as an outsider looking in about what's said, how they conduct themselves, the reported stories, this is a group that has become very cohesive quite quickly. You know, given the fact that there's 20, 21 high school, new high school kids and what, 15 transfers. I mean, that's a, that's a large influx of new people that seems to have assimilated quite well. And uh, we've seen that be very, very valuable on the basketball side with Leonard Hamilton squads. And I can't help but think it will also be very helpful, uh, obviously, on the football side. Two names of intrigue, Keith, and we'll ask Pat about this because there's was a lot of hype. And then I feel like it was sort of mixed comments that I heard over the course of fall camp. One is Andrew Parchment, the receiver who transferred in and seemed like it was up and down. And, and he's, he's fairly key because if he can be dependable and stretch the field, that opens up your offense a lot. The other is Amari Gaynor, who's a local kid from Childs High School, and uh, he's moved around some positions. But as we talked about linebackers, didn't feel like his name came up as much. So I don't know if wild card is the right term for either of those, but I feel like either of them are making headlines for the right reasons. That might bode well for the offense and defense respectively. There's certainly an argument to be made with both of those kids, uh, Amari coming in as a freshman and Parsman coming in as a transfer, that maybe the expectation was too high too early. And as a result, you know, there was some setbacks and some learning curves and, and, you know, people got down too quickly. Both of them have unique talents. So they can translate that talent into how it works within the system 
they both have some outstanding upside. There's no question. Again, Patrick Burnham from the Osceola will join us in two segments, and, and we'll ask him about those two, uh, two players in particular. We'll stroll down memory lane with William Floyd, talk a little bit about Bobby Bowden and also about that game of the century, FSU versus Notre Dame from 1993 when Bar Nunn joined us. I'll remind you, we got a big weekend ahead, 5-10, to 10, Saturday night block party at College Town, and then the 7.30 kick against Notre Dame. The tailgate lots open at noon. It's going to be a big, big Labor Day weekend in Tallahassee, and this show will get you set for it. So stay with us as we are just getting cranked up, just getting started here on Front Row Knowles on 93.3 Real Talk Tallahassee. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Hi, I'm Bob Hobbs. We're always talking about getting your best deals, your best trade, and your best financing. But with these challenging times, we wanted you to know, if you can't make it in, we'll even bring the car to you. And we'll appraise your vehicle at your home or business. And for all our service customers that can't make it in, we'll pick up your vehicle, get it serviced, and bring it back to you. We just want to make it easy to do business. We appreciate our customers and want to say thank you for your business. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your vehicle the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Time to crank open that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to a longtime friend and one of the uh, most big-time seminals of them all, William Barnon Floyd, is on the line with us. How are you, Barnon? I am doing great. It's an honor to be on this show with you and KJ, so let's get it done, baby. <laughs> of course, you and I work together on the, uh, the Seminole Radio Network, and we've both been at that a while, and which means we always get excited because we get to be a part of the, the festivities each and every year, which which truly is a privilege. But what are you most excited about as we get uh, closer to this Notre Dame game, William? Really and truly, honestly, TB, it's us getting back in the booth together and actually looking at the game and working at the game like, you know, we have in the past. You know, last year was just a crazy year. So trying to have just a little bit of normalcy, getting back up there in the booth together and getting it done is what I'm really looking forward to. So hopefully if we get everything goes smooth enough, we can keep it going for the season. Barnon, you and your family reside down in the Orlando area. What what are the folks in Central Florida saying as they look forward to the FSU season? Oh, man, everybody's excited about it. You know, finally got, you know, a full year up under. It's everybody being able to work together, kind of build some chemistry. You know, you got a good battle at quarterback. Um, you know, got some new kids in there. So just excited to see how the season is going to go. And I'm pretty sure it'll go be a little bit better than last year. You talk about returning to normalcy. Think about for Coach Norvell, William. He's not had an experience like what he'll have this weekend in terms of a, a packed house. I mean, we were in capacity crowds last year, a primetime affair. And, I, I, you know, I think the jury will be out on, on how ready for primetime Florida State is. But I, I do know that I've been impressed with, I, with what I've seen from camp. 
what have you gleaned so far from your contacts and your, uh, you know, familiarity with the program? Well, just, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the kids are just buying into what Coach Novell is saying with that coaching staff is trying to put together up there. And when you have everybody on the same page, you have a, a lot better chance of success, you know, as opposed to, you know, people with different philosophies pulling different ways. So everybody's on the same page. And I think, I think that's the most positive thing about what's going on up there. And then again, you know, you got some players and some key positions that, you know, proven they can get it done. And if we can make sure we hold things together up front on both sides of the football, I think we have the athletes to compete with anybody. Marnon, you've always been an, uh, an excitable guy, an enthusiastic guy. How much, uh, how nice is it going to be to see the marching chiefs on the, on the actual field and a, and a big time opponent in Notre Dame coming in in a full house? Well, I think it's just a lot of pageantry going to be, you know, involved in that game. Of course, I know you're gonna, we're going to be showing a lot of love to Coach Bowden all day. I'm pretty sure throughout the whole broadcast they're going to be doing it on TV all night. And then, you know, with that, you know, that extra with the, 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 the marching chiefs and, you know, everybody doing the chop in the stadium and just, you know, hyped and crunked up, man. It's going to be an exciting event. So I'm really excited about the, the fact that we're going to get out there and play Notre Dame at home and have an opportunity to kind of show everybody where we're at, you know, early in the season. William, I, you and I connected recently, but uh, in, in this vein, what what story, uh, what personal anecdote or story can you share about your relationship with Coach Bowden? Oh, man. I mean, I, you know, I was I was that 19 year old dad. So I had a lot of questions and I, needed, you know, I had a, a lot of advice from him, too, about, you know, how to raise that kid. And he's actually in Tallahassee now trying to fight his way up there to, to earn his way. So um, but, you know, it was it, it, it was really just an honor, you know, to be able to play for somebody who touched so many lives. And I think that, you know, I think that Derek Brooks said it best that, um, you know, if he, Coach Bob made you feel like, you know, he knew you forever. You know, he, he called your buddy. He might not remember your name. He might remember your face. But at the same time, he was always, you know, that open, that person that was open and always giving great advice. And for me, you know, it was like a father figure. So, um, I'm, you know, he will be, you know, missed, you know, and there, there are probably 90 percent of the stories that, you know, that are just personal to me and coach that I wouldn't feel comfortable talking about. But I mean, I will say this about coaches, you know, everybody called coach a saint. I call him the prophet because everything he told me came true. He said, you're going to, you know, help him. He told me I was going to help him win his first national championship. I was going to get my degree and I was going to play in the NFL. And I always say that gum and all everything you say, it came true. <laughs> well, Tommy, I will also tell you, and I don't think Barnon minds me sharing this, but many of us called him coach. A few of us called him Bobby, but Barnon called him dad. Mm-hmm. That, that was his name. And that's yep. how much uh, William looked up to him. And, and I've always appreciated that you and you, Barnon. I thought that was a wonderful uh, tribute to that relationship. Oh, most definitely. You know, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was up there mid-June, you know, right when that news came out. Uh, we were up there dropping my son off and, I was like, man, I think I should go by here and see coach. And my wife kind of nudged me by. She was like, yeah, you definitely need to go by and see him. So I called over and he answered the phone. He was like, yeah, come on over and see me. Um, so I got on the phone with Miss Sue and she told me to come on over to it was okay. So I went over and saw him and had a, a good conversation, man, for about 30, 45 minutes. We just talked about old times and laughed. And it was just like sitting up there with the same coach I was sitting up there with at 19 years old. So I was so honored to be able to have, you know, that last, you know, the conversation with him, and I'm glad I did get a chance to go by there and see him. We're talking with William Floyd, former Florida State fullback. Bar none, you mentioned your son a couple times. He's a walk-on on this year's team. Is that right? Yeah, he's a walk-on, trying to get it done up there, earn his way, man. He was like, 
he had a you know a couple of offers, a couple of little smaller, medium sized schools. But he was like, man, it's Florida State his whole life. This is all he's wanted to do. So he's willing to go up there and earn his way, man. So I was like, hey, if you're willing to go up there and earn your way, you're gonna get those grades first and make sure you get that degree. And that's what's most important. Dad's gonna support you with the rest. So hey, let's get it done. What's he said about the experience so far? Man, he is loving life right now. He's really just loving being a college student athlete, you know, um, going to school, um, going to practice, working out with the team, being a part of it. So really excited about his opportunities, just really to get his degree and to just be, you know, you know, one of those guys that's going to go out there and give it his all every time he gets an opportunity and hopefully earn it. Now, wait a minute now, Barna. Now, your, your body type was such that, you know, you were a little bit bigger guy, but still had plenty of quickness, plenty of feet, great hands. Didn't mind blocking. Lo- Love to tote the rock, but didn't mind blocking. Are, are, do we have another fullback, H-back on our hands, or is he going to be something a little different? Oh, he's going to be def- he's defensive back, so he's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. You know, it was that corner came up there at about 185. You know, he got on that training table, so went to about 200, so he's at free safety right now. Free safety is safe. I don't know which one of them, but somewhere <laughs> back there in the secondary. So I got to make sure he gets all his secondary film in all the way from the 80s, from all those DBU that we had all the way from the 80s all the way to now. I finally found out something I have in common with you guys. I, I put that freshman 15 on, too, when I got around the training table and when I went away from home. That, that oh, yeah, year. all of us do. All of us do, man. You don't understand, man. <laughs> you got a little bit more of a selection to eat, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and then you're working out, too. You're putting on those pounds. Like, that muscle is turning into fat. So, yeah, you got to be careful about what you're getting done. So, <laughs> Hey, hey Barnum, before we get back to this week's game, it occurs to me, you know, uh, just as long as we're reminiscing here, uh, Bobby's first title, you're, you know, you were part of the team, the 93 team. Uh, there, there was a bleak period there against this Sunday's opponent that, that we didn't feel very good about how that season was going to turn out. I'm just wondering if you can kind of, you know, capture what a difference a week makes from returning from South Bend on one Saturday and then seeing Notre Dame lose the following Saturday and knowing you were still going to get a chance to play for a title. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you just saw how great, even though we didn't come away with that victory, you just saw how great of a competition that was because really when you think about it, Notre Dame spent everything they had trying to stop us from winning that game, especially on that last drive, driving down the field, the emotional, you know, part of it just being sucked out of you. And then us on the flip side, seeing that, you know, when we get, you know, we're on the bus, we're riding home and we hear on the radio how close the game is. You know, we're like, man, is it really a chance that Notre Dame is about to lose to Boston College? And sure enough, as soon as I walk in the door at the dorm, the TV's on, and we look at that kick, and uh, the kick is look look like it's going to go outside the right uh, post, and it just, you know, curves back in there, a little draw back in there, and, man, we went crazy. And then we were motivated, of course, to go out there, and I think we beat North Carolina State 62 to nothing or 60-something, whatever it was, to nothing, because we're trying to make a statement you know, like Matt asked us after, you know, told the entire nation after that game, just give us one more chance. You remember Matt Fryer? Just give us one more chance. And, you know, we got the opportunity to get it. The best thing about that national championship went over Nebraska is that it had happened in the Orange Bowl. Because going back all the way back to, to ancient days, my days, we had never had any success in that Dagum Stadium. And, and boy, I was happy to, to come away with that national championship. Well, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, in that that same end zone right there, we had lost to Miami the previous year on the second ride wide right, you know. So in that same, you know, they could, you know, the kicker from Nebraska pulled that thing wide left. And I think it's just poetic justice that 
you know, those two national championships, we lost 91 and 92 on the right, you know, wide right, that it came down to a field goal that we didn't have to kick, that somebody else had to kick to win it, and it went our way. So it worked out. I want to coach Bowden, the greatest lines on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. He says, uh, and I quote, I found out that wide left is much better than wide right. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. And I, and I concur. I concur with that one. Hey, hey, William, we all know Florida State's in the middle of a, a rebuild after the last couple of years. And, and again, everything seems pretty positive. I mean, uh, the coaches have done a great job recruiting. They, they brought in a lot of new faces via the transfer portal, uh, including one at quarterback. I think there's a lot more team camaraderie, which you alluded to. But Florida State's not at the same place that Notre Dame is as a program right now. So what do you uh, – and you can dispute that if you like, but what do you see as the keys in this matchup on Sunday? Well, I think it really boils down to what we've seen Notre Dame do and what Notre Dame is built to do, what they build a team to do, and that's come out there to control the line of scrimmages, especially offensively. All they want to do is lean on you for four quarters. Every once in a while, throw a play action on you, uh, maybe the tight end across the field or down the middle or, you know, the running back faking it to him and, you know, a stutter go on the outside. So, But that's all going to be set up through the run, you know, so we can control the line of scrimmage. It's, you know, really just because you're going to have to do that thing for four quarters. You know, you you know what? Both sides of the ball are really going to have to do their job if we're going to have a chance to beat Notre Dame. We got to do it up front. Well, bar none, I look forward to working with you and uh, Gino for yet another year. It'll be a fun, fun ride. And yeah, to your first point, uh, here's to having some normalcy this year. Uh, It's at least going to be more normal than last year as we get back at it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see you guys up in the booth, man. So take care and good talking to you, KJ, as always. You, sir. You too, brother. You too. All right, God bless, guys. Take care. William Barnon Floyd, back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Your local independent auto owner's agent is the Earl Bacon Agency. Call us at 878-2121 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Let's dive deeper, continue the conversation on Florida State football in this opener against Notre Dame as we reopen that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we say hello to the Osceola's Patrick Burnham. Hey, Pat, how are you? Great, guys. How about y'all? Doing well. Doing well. This uh, 
Uh, we're we're going to talk a lot of Notre Dame, and, and maybe I shouldn't start here, but I, you wrote about it in the Osceola, and, I, and we saw the news. FSU fans saw it a couple weeks ago. Uh, on top of the fact that your dad coached for the program during the dynasty days, now your brother is actually a part of Mike Norvell's extended staff. I'm not sure what the actual term is, defensive analyst maybe. that's that's uh, So the Burnham family connection continues at Florida State. Yeah, I mean, pretty neat for Shane. Very excited for him. Will be obviously be a very cool moment for he and my father on Sunday night. Uh, now we will have all coached against Notre Dame at one of our college stops, so uh, that will be pretty cool for the whole family. But you know, I've heard Coach Norvell talk about fit a lot since he's been here, and if he was looking for a really good football coach, he's a really good family man. Uh, Shane is certainly that. Uh, listen, we don't talk any more or less football than we ever had, and. And, uh, you know, I know that he knows there's some things that we can talk about and can't talk about. And I would never ask him anything that would put him in a bad spot. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm excited as I can be for him. Uh, Obviously, we spent a a better part of our lives as children together in Tallahassee. It's the only place where all three kids went to school together and certainly uh, will be a special time for all of us on Sunday. Uh, But, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's a family business. And, uh you know, uh, that's what it'll turn into as we move forward. Pat, as we shift our attention to the game itself, right out of the blocks, what's the biggest thing you're looking for that you want to see early if Florida State's got a chance to hang with the Irish? I want to see them be able to stop the run uh, on the defensive side of the ball. That's what Notre Dame's going to try to do. Uh, they've got about 2,000 yards worth of rushing yards coming back this year. Uh, obviously, Kyron Williams is the uh, – Guy that uh, starred last year for him with over 1,100 yards, but they got two really good guys behind him and Chris Tyree and Sebo Flamister. Uh, Combine those three rush for over 2,000 yards. And obviously on the offensive side of the ball, Florida State's got to be able to stop the pass rush. They they proved last year that they can run the ball effectively. Uh, where they struggled was in pass protection. And Notre Dame's got a very solid front four, and they're not afraid uh, to blitz. You watched their spring game. They uh, brought both uh, two of their three linebackers up into the A gap, and sometimes they would bring them, sometimes they won't. And I think Notre Dame's going to come out and try to pressure the quarterback, uh, no matter regard of who's in the game, uh, but certainly those are the two things up front. Can Florida State stop Notre Dame's run game, and can we stop their pass rush? So let, let's start with that first question, Pat. The parts have changed for Florida State, particularly outside, where the transfer defensive ends had really good camps for FSU by all accounts. And Notre Dame is changing over four out of its five offensive linemen and will start a freshman tackle at, at one of the tackle spots. Now, that said, it's a blue-chip tackle, and the guys that are, are new starters are, are pretty much blue-chips too. So how do you see that matchup? Well, you would think there would be some drop-off, right? I mean, just generally uh, some drop-off from one year to the next when you lose that much talent uh, for the five guys. But, hey, they did a great job replacing some of those guys. They got Kane Madden, who was All-American last year at uh, Marshall, who Florida State was in the running for this summer. Uh, you know, they've got a very good center, Jarrett Patterson, who has started 20 games and was an honorable mention All-American last year. And like you said, uh, they've got some high-profile guys stepping up and that have played some football in reserve roles for Notre Dame. Uh, if you watch them in spring, they look very solid. Uh, at least the first team did. Uh, the guys that ran with the first team in the spring game. Uh, but certainly you would think that uh, with Keir Thomas 
and Jermaine Johnson playing at the high levels they have over the course of their careers, uh, it, it, you know, might be a little bit more even matchup than it was last year. And then, of course, you've had some guys like Fabian Lovett and Dennis Briggs who have had really good camps and look like they could have breakout seasons. So I think Florida State's got a chance to have a strong uh, starting unit on the front four. And I think, uh, you know, they can build some depth with your Josh Farmers and Jarrett Jacksons and obviously Quayshon Fuller's. So we'll see how that pans out. But certainly, uh, you know, I think they've hit home runs based off what we've seen in practice with those two defensive ends. In fact, the Irish are breaking in a new quarterback. The book, whoever wrote that dang thing, says that if you're breaking in a new quarterback, you rely even more on the run. You think we'll see a, an extra dose of that, at least in the early going? Well, yeah, I mean, that's what they did so successfully last year. Now, Jake Cohn is not uh, exactly Ian Book. He is more of a – a lot more of a pocket passer than Ian Book was. I mean, Ian was a pocket passer, but certainly had the mobility to get out and make some plays with his feet. Uh, Jake is certainly not that guy, but he has a very quick release. They let him throw the ball a lot in the spring game. Uh, with the one offense, they threw about two passes for every one run. Uh, he looked very sharp. Looks like he's got a very strong arm, quick release release, quick decision maker, uh, but certainly I think that you will see them try to run the ball. I think that's what Brian Kelly wants to do. I think it's what all most offensive coordinators wants to do because it means you can tr- control the ball game. We're talking with Pat Burnham from the Osceola. He, uh, I don't know if pens is the right word in this digital age, but uh, writes a takeaway Tuesday column uh, all season for the Osceola. And if you're not a subscriber, I encourage you to do so. Six ninety five a month or seventy four ninety five a year. Uh, Pat, I mentioned at the top of the show to Keith that the two of the names that I feel like there was a lot of intrigue and talk about in the offseason, but then maybe not as much during fall camp. One is Parchment, the transfer receiver from Kansas, who it feels like was a little up and down in fall. And the other is Amari Gaynor, who there's always been a lot of excitement about, maybe more so because he's local, he's a legacy, and he's got a great frame. Uh, is, are those two kind of wild cards, i.e. If, if, if you're hearing good things about them and things are going well for FSU, or is that putting too much on their significance to the, the overall team play? Well, listen, you if, if Amari and Andrew can have solid years, uh, you're certainly going to be, you know, certainly going to help this football team. Uh, Andrew had a lot of catching up to do. He was not here for, you know, did not get here late in the summer. Uh, you know, he, from what we saw, he did struggle early in camp, uh, but certainly uh, the, he was a different player and as far as being comfortable in the offense from the first time I saw him in practice until the last time I saw him in practice. And he is a guy that it has a lot of length. He's got a lot of speed, and he gets up to uh, full speed really quickly. And I think he's a guy, if he can learn the nuances of the offense, uh, he can as a guy that can take the top off of defenses and really strengthen FSU's underneath passing game, the quick passing game, and obviously even benefit the run degree, uh, run, run game to some degree. And then Amari, you know, listen, he was a highly productive player for FSU last year. Uh, they're – at least what we saw in the spring, they were doing a little bit uh, of different uh, things schematically with that four-two-five defense, which is really just your nickel playing up as the Sam linebacker. So, you know, he had, he had moved around a little bit. I think, uh, you know, he's obviously going to have a spot when they run some base four-three concepts, uh, but a guy that certainly has a lot of potential, and I think it's just about – finding his role within that defense, but certainly a guy that plays with a lot of passion and a lot of effort and uh, someone that, you know, so likable you want to see be successful. Pat, any of the freshmen that we should look for to see significant playing time here in the early going? 
Uh, well, you know, listen, I've heard a lot about Shaheen Brown. Uh, you know, he's running as a listed as second team on the depth chart. He was a guy that I really thought uh, was a, you know, a find in uh, the rec- during the recruiting process. He kind of got offered late by Florida State. And, you know, I talked to Brian Allen, who was his high school football coach. And, uh, you know, Brian and I were having a conversation after he committed to Florida State. And Brian said, listen, this kid could play on any of the dynasty level teams, uh, dynasty era teams. Uh, he could play the only team I played on. Now he's a freshman, right? You're going to have mistakes with freshmen. I mean, you're going to see uh, Malik McLean and Josh Burrell and Darian Williamson and uh, Sidney Williams and guys like that that were true freshmen last year that played sparingly that are still now what we're calling second year freshmen. But you know they they were forced into action when they really weren't ready. So uh, from a redshirt freshman standpoint or second year freshman standpoint i'll certainly think you'll see more of those guys um step up and fsu needs them to particularly at receiver you need some of these young guys to step up but uh you know shaheen brown is one of the true freshmen that really sticks out to me uh based off what i've seen and what i've heard when talking to jerry and bob when they have been at practice and i have not pat any surprises when you saw the depth chart released earlier this week not really i mean i thought it kind of played out uh how I thought it would. I, I think the move, uh, moving Travis J to uh, corner was a good move. I, you know, he can re- really rely on his athletic ability. He's a really good athlete, explosive guy. Uh, I think that helps him a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we get, we have seen Miko Dotson, who we didn't see a lot last year. Uh, you know, Miko's listed as second team and will back up Jarvis Brownlee. But Miko is a guy that played uh, in 2019 for – I believe FIU and or FAU and led the, the nation in uh, interceptions. So he's a guy I would love to see. And then of course, you know, you're going to uh, linebackers, DJ Lundy, how's he going to look? He's going to be a starter. And I'm really looking forward uh, to watching uh, the development of Cortez, Cortez Andrews, a linebacker from Maryland that has had a pretty impressive camp as well. All right, Pat, well, come on and tell us, come on and tell us now who's going to take the first snap at quarterback. You're, you're the inside guy, you know, you got to know. Uh, well, I don't know any more than you guys do. <laughs> uh, I would love – hey, listen, I, I, I put this in my little takeaway Tuesdays. What we both know, all three of us, I think, know, is that they're going to play both these guys. Right. And I would love just because of what Jordan meant to the team last year and what McKenzie has been through to get back, I would really like to see them both line up on the field at the same time that first play. I mean, and whatever, wherever you want to line them up. But, uh, you know, both those kids are warriors. Both their, both those kids are leaders. Uh, obviously, both very physically and mentally tough. And, listen, uh, most times it's probably not good to have a quarterback. And I don't even know if this is a quarterback situation. They seem to get along famously when you watch them interact at practice, as do all the quarterbacks. But I think in this particular situation, uh, having two quarterbacks – uh, because of what they're able to do, they have complementary skill sets is a good thing and not a bad thing. Maybe he'll just start Chubba Purdy. Just, you know, he'll just throw Chubba out there for the yeah, first time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, listen, I, you know, I didn't know how – I'll put it to you this way. Jordan's name is listed on the depth chart before the or. So if you're really getting into reading tea leaves and the depth chart, if we've got an or, is not in alphabetical order, I guess you could say I'm putting my money on Jordan taking the first snap. 
Heath already offered that expert analysis earlier in the, in the show. So I'm glad you guys are, are, are Great uh, on minds the same think alike, Tom. Great minds think alike. Or, or weak minds think alike. I'm not sure which. <laughs> well, there might be two. That might be true, some truth to that as well. Patrick Burnham from the Osceola. We appreciate it. We'll see you on Sunday. All right, guys. Have a good, great one. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the insight. As always, we'll take a break, come back, and uh, continue with Front Row Knowles. Hi, I'm Bob Hobbs. We're always talking about getting your best deals, your best trade, and your best financing. But with these challenging times, we wanted you to know, if you can't make it in, we'll even bring the car to you, and we'll appraise your vehicle at your home or business. And for all our service customers that can't make it in, we'll pick up your vehicle, get it serviced, and bring it back to you. We just want to make it easy to do business. We appreciate our customers and want to say thank you for your business. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your vehicle the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things. Like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Your local independent auto owner's agent is the Earl Bacon Agency. Call us at 878-2121 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones, as we wrap things up for you here on uh, FRN. Still several minutes to go. Appreciate William Floyd, Patrick Burnham. It feels like football, Keith. What what resonated from uh, the comments of our two guests today? Well, the biggest thing is just the excitement. I mean, I know it was exciting last year, a little bit of trepidation about whether we were going to actually play, what, what, what the stadium would look like, uh, you know, how it was going to be. We didn't have, a, you know, the postponements and or the cancellations early in the year like we did in the latter part of the year, but that was in the back of our minds. So now the excitement is, is old-fashioned incitement. We just want to get in dope. We want to hear the Chiefs. We want the planes to fly over. We want the kids to roll out. We want to see the horse run around. And we want football with 70,000-plus or minus people watching uh, the way it's supposed to be. You mentioned the marching Chiefs. I'll remind our fans they're now going to be at the north end of Doak in the student section. So that will be a change. Now, they'll still enter the field the same way uh, through the tunnel at the south end, uh, but that'll be kind of cool. I know they, uh, David Plack, the director of athletic bands, commented at the time that, that FSU was one of the only bands he was aware of that didn't sit with the students. So that'll, that'll be a, a different dynamic uh, that, that the, fan, the students will certainly appreciate and fans will enjoy. I personally was not aware of that, so that's a good update. There you go. Uh, this is why you, you tune into this show, Keith, that and because I call you every week and say, hey, are you going to be on the show this week? And then we get together and we talk about things for a little bit, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, by the way, I, I mentioned the students. I did get an update uh, and, and kudos to the students because they sold out their allotment of tickets and uh, they went fast. Now, I don't think the game is a hard sellout. I think there's still tickets available. So, folks, if you don't have yours, you can go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets and, and get some. But uh, as we mentioned early on, tailgate lots open early. There's a flyover. Uh, it's Mike Norvell and, and companies. Really, their first game here it, with this kind of atmosphere. By the way, Keith, I didn't mention this early on. The uh, the Air Force flyover 
two of the pilots are Florida State alums, and one of them, this is his last mission at the end of a 33-year Air Force career, Lieutenant Colonel Joe Fahili, I think is how you pronounce it. He's retiring, uh, and he, he's never done this uh, over FSU, but has wanted to. So that's a pretty good way to go out. Uh, they're, they're with the 93rd Fighter Squadron out of Homestead, so that'll be pretty cool to see. That is, that is very, very cool, and it'll be very, very touching, no question. All right, I don't want to I, I, I don't want to sidetrack us too much, Keith, but I'm going to in our final minutes here, uh, away from FSU Notre Dame, uh, and go back to this alliance talk, which we had a big press conference where they officially announced nothing, and we've already reacted to that. They just announced some kind of nebulous concepts. Subsequent to that, the Pac-12 commissioner is intimated, or not just intimated, I think he's flat he said, out said. He said. He said that the idea is that each of these three conferences, Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC, every school in those leagues would play one home game and one away game a year against a Pac-12, Big Ten, or ACC foe. Which makes sense for all the schools that don't have big-time out-of-conference games currently. I'm here to say, Keith, that Florida State, A, doesn't need to be playing eight ACC games, Notre Dame and Florida, and a Big Ten and a Pac-12 school, nor do they need to drop Florida so that they can accommodate playing Cal or somebody else out of the Pac-12. That's my two cents. From a mathematical standpoint, that structure will not work. Now, it makes perfect sense if you didn't have any of the ACC schools that had longstanding rivalries with the SEC schools. But but that won't work for Florida State. So that's a that's a non-starter from the get-go in terms of my uh, uh, looking at it. The well, other think- part, the other part, excuse me, Tom, that that I do think is going to come into play, and I think it's a bad thing personally, is there are many of the schools within that alliance that don't want to go to twelve-team playoff. They want six or they want eight. And I think that momentum has been severely reduced by this alliance, if for no other reason than the verbal conversation about it. Yeah, and we talked about that before. Yeah, I just wanted to come back to the schedule point. There's an easy way to get around this. Just carve out an exception exception for Florida State, Georgia Tech, Clemson. Uh, the reality is the ACC gets the TV dollars every other year when Florida plays at FSU. And that's a bigger TV dollar game than just about anybody you could pair FSU up with from those other conferences save for maybe Michigan, Ohio State, or USC. Other than that, the Florida game is already bringing the dollars and has been, and FSU's been over backwards for the league over the years, playing games like Sunday, playing the primetime games. Uh, they, to, to me, they don't, need to, they don't need to accommodate that one, if it actually comes to that. I'm not sure and, that it will. but And I'm not sure either, and I do agree with you. Uh, this may be one of the few times we are in probably absolute lockstep agreement. <laughs> Maybe one of the, the few of late. Just a couple minutes ago, I'll mention that the soccer team, 4-0, plays uh, at home against Florida tomorrow night, looking to go 5-0 and and 3-0 and against the SEC. The uh, women's volleyball team is hosting a tournament this weekend. Uh, matter of fact, they've been hosting Tulane all week because they were displaced with Hurricane Ida. And I guess as we as we finish up, Keith, I should point out that uh, my my wife's whole family is from New Orleans, and and most of them are displaced uh, and and certainly without power, without water right now. And so uh, certainly thinking about all of them. Some of them are in Tallahassee staying with us, as a matter of fact. So uh, it's it's been tough times. I think everybody's aware that that was the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. But if you married into it and you spend a lot of time there, you certainly get an up-close look and just how devastated that community's been over the years. So certainly yeah, thinking I thought about it was. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a, a not good coincidence that uh, Ida and uh, Katrina were 16 years apart to the day. 
certainly uh, from a water standpoint. 16 years ago, it was breaches and that type of thing. And this year, it's uh, just true water. And that system has been unbelievably unkind uh, to New Orleans from that standpoint. So certainly thinking about all of them, uh, including my family. Keith, as we wrap up, uh, do you agree that the key to the matchup on Sunday is in the trenches? Without question. Now, the one caveat as first games go, and our listeners will be aware of this, you know, penalties and dumb mistakes, those are two things that you always worry about in the first game. Uh, and uh, they could play havoc for either a team that commits them. But I do think that the play, uh, particularly, particularly Florida State's defensive line, trying to control that new, younger uh, Irish offensive line is where I'm going to be watching for the most part. One thing that we haven't mentioned, but Mike Norvell has a good reputation for is his special teams. And they were pretty good last year, despite the three and six record. And I really am pretty optimistic and high on what Travis Jay is going to do. He's listed as one of the kick returners and a punt returner. A lot of talk about him at corner. I think the special teams game is going to be pretty big over the course of the year for Florida State. And certainly I would take something on Sunday night in what will be an electric atmosphere at Doe Campbell Stadium. Getting Getting some yardage in the punt return game is going to be key as well. You're correct. All right. We will wrap it up for you as we always do. Folks, enjoy the game. This is Front Row Knowles.